Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. In the program this week... The Blacksticks men have a rare chance to play the world's top teams at home, and New Zealand Hockey's Chief Executive Hilary Paul discusses the importance of the Champions Trophy. The Super Rugby sides are back into full training, without their All Blacks of course, and we talk to the Crusaders coach Todd Blackadder about his hopes for next season, with a new ground after playing away from their earthquake-ravaged home ground all last season. We'll also hear from the New Zealand Rugby Union about its public invitation for expressions of interest and licences to manage and operate four of its five super rugby teams from 2013. And we look at some of the newcomers to Auckland for next month's Heineken Open Tennis Tournament and hear from the New Zealand Breakers Australian recruit who's helping fill the gap in the guard ranks left by Kirk Penny's departure and CJ Bruton's chronic knee injury. New Zealand Hockey's hosting its biggest event so far over the next week. After beating Great Britain and losing to Spain in practice matches, New Zealand starts the Champions Trophy playing the Olympic champions Germany, then Korea and the Netherlands, with the playoffs starting on December the 8th. The tournament's being run at Albany after the game's world governing body decided India's governance problems meant it couldn't be held in New Delhi. That decision wasn't made until mid-September, leaving Hockey New Zealand little time to prepare its bid, which was backed by the expatriate businessman Owen Glenn, who's the tournament's naming rights sponsor. The successful bid meant that as hosts, the Blacksticks were guaranteed a place and didn't have to go to this week's Champions Challenge tournament in Johannesburg. Hockey New Zealand's Chief Executive Hilary Paul says despite the short notice, organisations gone well and so are ticket sales for the last big tournament before the Olympic Games in London. She says Owen Glenn's been a key contributor, but he's not alone. Look, Owen was a key contributor, um, and we really appreciate his support. Along with that, we've had support from Auckland City, Spark, um, High Performance Sport New Zealand, major events from the Ministry of Economic Development, uh, New Zealand Entertainment and Events Corporation, Bruce McTaggart was key in, in formulating our bid. And uh, look, Hockey New Zealand has got a very low appetite for risk. Our reserves are very low, so we needed to be pretty confident that both our financial and our operational risks were minimised before we finalised our, our bid to the FIH. And we were really pleased to be awarded the hosting rights and then the last um, well, the three months has gone incredibly quickly and we've brought several commercial partners on board during that time as well. Given the, I guess, the tyranny of distance and the time available, how much of a surprise was it to, to be given the, the tournament as there might have been a temptation to do it somewhere more central like Europe? Well, one big factor played against Europe and that's snow and winter. And uh, we understand that other um, hosts being considered were Dubai and Malaysia. Obviously New Zealand was probably the most motivated because it enabled our team who was ranked 7th to compete our men's team. Otherwise we were off to the Champions Challenge. And... Also, um, we, look, we have a reputation for hosting a, a, a good hockey event and uh, we've hosted in the last 10 years two Olympic qualification tournaments. So New Zealand from a hockey perspective, Ramesh Patel 
really well respected in terms of running a, a really good hockey tournament. So they knew we were really a safe set of hands operationally. In terms of the actual results, I mean, we've never done particularly well. The women won their first game at the yeah. Champions Trophy this year. The men have yeah. won a couple, but they've never featured in the top four. Mm-hmm. How important would it be for New Zealand hockey to, to finish strongly? I mean, realistically, the chances of winning probably aren't. It'd be a big bet, but... Mm-hmm. Making the top four, how good would that yeah, be? Yeah, look, that that would be absolutely awesome. It, w- it would be our highest result at a tournament of this level. They're ranked seventh. We'd like to be ranked sixth, and they are on the up. It's the first time for some time that we've had all our top players um, together um, because we have the situation where there's a fantastic opportunity for our more experienced players to play in in Europe and in, in the European club competition. So. At Oceania Cup, where we had uh, our first win against Australia for some time, and it's the first time the, f- the full team has been together. Um, so, look, you never know what a little bit of hometown advantage could do, but it, it would be a big ask. How important has that overseas competition been? Because you've got people like Phil Burrows and Ryan Archibald, and that have yeah. been playing in, in the Netherlands and and Belgium and such like for mm. quite a few years yeah. that experience must count for a lot now yeah. well it absolutely does the other part of the story though is that our team, that the Black Six men need to be playing against top ranked teams with consistency and you know, distance is a, is a real challenge for us and so you know, our aim is to have our teams ranked consistently in that top six so top teams do want to come down here and, and play us and it's been really nice hearing the feedback from the teams as they've, as they've arrived in here this week. They're really delighted to be here playing in New Zealand. They love coming to New Zealand. Uh, we are great hosts. It's safe and it's, it's a great environment for them. And uh, look, we know next year with the build with, with the Blue Turf at Westlake, um, We've got some more top six nations coming down to play us as we build for London. Yeah, London is obviously going to be on the mind of a lot of teams. What, what, you, what have you been hearing about the way that the, the other countries are approaching it? Because someone told me that she thought the English were, were a bit more focused on August next year than they were on uh, in December at North Harbour. Well, that's right. This is seen as a stepping stone. I mean, in, in hockey, the Olympics is the ultimate competition, and... Uh, some of the top nations who have won you know, a number of champions' trophies, their eyes are just firmly on the prize of, of the Olympic gold. So they work very much to that four-year cycle. And if I think back to the 2010 World Cup in, in Delhi, you know, I was surprised to hear that in, in some of the top teams there, they were introducing a number of their junior players, so not playing the, you know, their top players even at the World Cup. So yeah, it is, it is part, of, part of the build for them, without a doubt. Um, and they've got more depth at that level. So they can afford to maybe arrest a few people and just look ahead, and whereas we can't really, can we? Yeah, yeah. And look, results are really important to us. We know that uh, our results on the field are really, really critical to our ongoing investment, particularly from High Performance Sport New Zealand. But not just that, there's ranking points at stake, and it will play into the uh, Olympic ranking in terms of the pools as well. That's Hockey New Zealand's Chief Executive Hilary Paul and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Murray Williams. The Super Rugby sides are back into full training with some new faces and notable transfers from last season and perhaps renewed interest following New Zealand's World Cup success. There's plenty of interest in the Crusaders again after they managed to make the final last season despite having to play all their home matches away from Christchurch. 
Our Christchurch reporter Bridget Mills caught up with the team at a training session on the beach at New Brighton and asked coach Todd Blackadder how different it is starting this season compared with last. Oh, I'm really pleased with our guys. I think. I've been really impressed, to be honest, in the fact that they've come back really well. They're in good nick. Obviously, pre-season's pretty tough, and they're getting on with it. Um, there seems to be a really good spirit in the side, and I think, too, like as coaches, we're a lot better prepared than the last two seasons. And um, everything's just ticking away like clockwork at the moment, so it's great to be back and get our hands back on them. Why is it that you're better prepared than the last two seasons? I think we've just got a really good group of players here, and you know they're really keen and they're keen to learn. And you know, obviously, they've been in the system for the last couple of years, so you know, it's just another year of more experienced, and I think they're more aware. And we put them through a camp, which was a real test of their character, and. Yeah, we've just got a good group of boys. They've got some good experience here, the likes of Tom Donnelly, and he's come in, he's fresh, and he's really keen to learn, and he's contributing. Obviously, last season was pretty disruptive, not just with the quake itself, but the fact you guys didn't have a home base for the year, no home games. How do you think this year's going to be any better, more clarity this year? I just think um, we'll be a lot better prepared. You know, like last year was fly by the seat of your pants, literally three times around the world, and obviously a lot of emotion too last year. But this year... A little bit more certain, you know, people like structure, and our players do, you know, like the structure of a working week, knowing that we're going to be home, and I think too that the little things you take for granted will never be taken for granted before, and I'm really proud of what we did last year, but I think this year will be really special in the fact that we have home games, and they'll have a greater meaning to us, and you know, I think this community badly needs the Crusaders back at home, and that's something that we haven't had. Well, I guess, are you picking up on some of those fans that did, these local fans, miss out on seeing any of the World Cup games in their home city and the home grounds. Are you picking up on any fans that are really, really particularly keen for this season? Yeah, I really think the time, I, I definitely, I think by the I think everyone was really proud of what the team did last year and I think that, you know, with the World Cup and not having that in Christchurch and also too, we've got 11 of those guys that were in the World Cup. I mean, they'll be playing for the Crusaders during the season. The World Cup was really good for rugby in general and I think it's really brought back some real passion and enthusiasm back that people actually want to be part of it. I think the new ground is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I just think there's a really good feel around rugby, but our guys want to be playing in front of their people. It's just so important to them. That new ground, when's that juice be ready for you guys? Uh, hopefully by the, our first home game, which um, is against the Chiefs. If it's not ready for them, it'll be the second home game. So I'm really pleased that it's underway and they're getting on with it now. So it can only be a good thing. And you say all well, the pre-season practice and training will be usually out here or sort of round about the place? Yeah, real variety this year. We're sort of all over the place. But basically, most of it will be at Rugby Park, but it's good. Beach sessions with the salt water and all that are really good, but it does us good to move around and be part of the community, something that we pride ourselves on. Any issues with the fact that the All Blacks have had extended time off after the World Cup? No, it's probably, it's good for them. You know, it's um, when they come back, if they look after themselves really well, it's good for us. Probably more frustrating the fact that we have to learn and teach all our systems all over again. You know, we get this crew and we get them up to speed and then when the All Blacks come back, we've almost got to start back at square one again. So, but we're used to it, so it's nothing that we can't deal with. Is that just because they, uh, with those systems, are they not sort of up to speed physically at that point when they come back in? Both physically and mentally and also to part of the skills, that, the new skills and the things that, we, that we've helped develop and moved on. You know, um, so for them it's just... For a lot of those guys, they've been in maintenance for most of the year and they've got to get back and strip down and do some hard work again. Do you think they might be fatigued? Because I guess the high point of the World Cup is sort of coming back down to the... Is that, is that going to 
Well, that's a really good question. That's probably one of the risks, you know, when you reach the pinnacle, you say, well, you know, what more do I need to achieve? But, you know, there'll be no, um, you, know, you wouldn't take this, for, you know, this environment for granted. Those guys have got to come back and they've got to be prepared to work hard and earn their jersey again, you know. But it's like that in sport. Sport can be very grounding for someone that has got their head in the clouds. But, you know, I'm just, we're really fortunate, the Crusaders, that none of our guys are like that. So... I think they'll come back and they're already enthusiastic to be back in the environment. Speaking of things that ground certain players, have you heard anything from Zach Guilford? How's he going? Yeah, no, he's um, doing a lot of rehab at the moment, like, like he's getting the help that he needs and he's pretty keen to be back and hopefully we'll see him in the next couple of weeks, but I think he's learned a very valuable lesson there. The Crusaders have lost a bit of experience. How's the team shaping up this year? You're really good. That's something that traditionally happens. We lose a lot of experience. We usually use a, lose a third of our squad every year. And um, history will tell you that the people who come into the team take that opportunity. You look at the likes of Chris Jack and Brad Thorne. Well, before them were some great players, and they stepped up into that role. And now it's an opportunity for some other really good players to step up and into the role contribute and stamp their mark in the team. I guess some of the newer, uh, younger novice players, who've got your eye on that you think they're particularly... All of them. <laughs> Absolutely all of them. I've got a very good eye for these things and I'm watching every single one of them for work ethic, uh, their character traits, their habits, um, their communication, you know, their professionalism is just so important, whether they look for more work or you know, whether they try and take a shortcut. But you know, from what I've seen so far, I think we've got a great group of players here. How well rested are the players, given it's quite a long season for them? This group in particular have had three months off. So they're back into training mode and they need to do some hard work. Um, and finally, uh, expectations for 2012? High, very high. Everyone here has got a, a bit of taste and a bit of feeling about coming second. And we really want to nail it this year. That's the Crusaders coach Todd Blackadder talking to Bridget Mills in Christchurch. They open the new season in Auckland against the Blues on February the 24th. Meanwhile, the New Zealand Rugby Union's Chief Executive Steve Chew says testing the market for expressions of interest and licences to manage and operate super rugby teams makes sense when costs are rising and incomes aren't. The aim of this exercise is to reinvigorate the franchise model, which we believe is now necessary, I bring some fresh ideas uh, to the table, you know, we've got an opportunity on the back of Rugby World Cup uh, where the game is sitting in a, in a good space to uh, launch into a new era, if you like. And we also accept that uh, some fresh capital, some cash into the game would be very helpful, particularly in these, in these financial times that continue to be uh, pretty challenging for anybody who's in the entertainment space as we are. Uh, we've got to this point following some good, honest discussions with our franchises earlier in the year. Uh, there was a unanimous agreement that we did need to do something different and uh, they asked the NZRU to be decisive and show uh, some good, strong leadership uh, in this area. And in doing so, we commissioned an independent review, which was done quickly. It built on a lot of work that had been done the previous two or three years. And when that review was completed, um, a report was uh, was shared with provincial unions and franchises, so we've been through a consultation process and, and this is where we've got to, to today, got to today. So effectively, as I said earlier, we're looking to grant a licence to um, individuals, organisations or consortium. They will have the opportunity to select the team that they are the licence holder of. They'll manage and market that side. They'll be responsible for the fan experience. They'll set, hopefully, the scene for 
a really good entertainment experience and also manage a very competitive and winning uh, rugby team. Uh, and there's the, the benefit long term if we are successful financially for those surpluses to be uh, retained by those licensees. But in doing this, we're not losing sight of one of the, the major competitive advantages we believe we have in that the NZRU has, uh, on behalf of its members, held uh, control, if you like, of the professional game. So one of the things that we believe gives us a very good competitive advantage against a lot of our uh, opponents at the international level is that we own the um, intellectual property around these five professional teams, so we intend to continue to do so, so we're not selling any ownership. Uh, we retain the uh, overall control of player contracting, so the selection of squads will be at the discretion of the licensee, but the overall management of that process and the um, direct employment relationship will remain with the NZRU, so we'll, we'll be able to continue to, to drive policy, if you like, that, that finds a balance between um, players playing in these competitions and also being ready to be uh, competitive in, in, a, in what we hope is a winning all-black side. We'll continue to have a, a partnership approach to the coach appointments, but we will be involved in that process. And as I, I guess I, the word to, to emphasise here is that we are anticipating a partnership with these entities. Steve Hugh admits it's a punt, though. We really are unsure what kind of response we will get, and we are testing the market. So, you know, the bookend is we won't get any interest, and we'll have to think of uh, another way of dealing with this, or we may get uh, a number of very good quality um, applicants. The, the reality is that the business environment in which we are operating in, the, the current international economic climate, is not going to change. We have to adapt to it, and in a way, that has been one of the drivers for us looking at things differently. If you map the 17 or odd years of, of professional rugby, we, went, you know, we had obviously had an establishment stage, and then there was a considerable amount of success, and a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of money was generated by the five franchises, and I think there's um, something like 27 million has been distributed to provincial unions in that period. But over the last two or three years, its uh, cost of risen and income has become very difficult to get. So the economic climate is the economic climate, and we think this is as much uh, a response to that as uh, restrained by it. Steve Chew says they have an open mind on naming rights, and for now the expressions of interest don't include the Highlanders, as they are already exploring other commercially sensitive alternatives. And still with rugby, there's been only one minor surprise at the annual awards, with the all-black number six, Jerome Kano, preferred as player of the year, ahead of the other flanker, skipper Richie McCaw, who says Kano's also a little unlucky to have missed out on the IRB player of the year award, which went to the French skipper Terry Dusatois. Tennis now and newcomers to Auckland for January's Heineken Open include a former world number seven, Fernando Vadasco of Spain, and Donald Young, a young American with four junior Grand Slams. Young finished the season ranked 39th in the world after rising to 73rd as an 18-year-old when he was the youngest player in the top 100. Tournament director Richard Palmer says Vadasco and Young, who's the eighth seed and highly regarded by John McEnroe, will be crowd pleasers with their emotive styles. The already confirmed top two seeds are regulars in Auckland, the defending champion and world number five David Ferrer, who beat the number one Novak Djokovic at the season-ending ATP Tour Finals in London, and another Spaniard, the 10th-ranked Nicolas Almagro. The other seeds are Argentinians Juan Monaco and Juan Ignacio Chela, South African Kevin Anderson and Brazilian Thomas Bellucci. Richard Palmer told me the field compares well with previous years. If you look at it generally, if we take that famous cut, as we call it, I think this year it was about 64, 65 when it finished, so it's fairly similar. Uh, what we haven't had, except on one occasion, is two players in the top ten, and I think that 
that is a very significant. There's not a lot of top ten players actually play in that week. A lot of them go straight to, to Melbourne to train, and to get two of them coming to Auckland, I think, is uh, you know, it's great. It gives you it gives you class at the top of the field, and then you've got um, some experienced players who, who uh, are you know, interesting to watch, always try their best, uh, and could turn around and win the tournament. Plus some youngsters on their way up who. Uh, we're going to mix it with them, so I think there's a very good balance to it. Tell us about those youngsters, the, the American, Donald Young. Yeah, they're, they're both Americans. Yeah, Donald Young, who um, was somebody that John McEnroe uh, has said is very, very talented. Uh, he shot onto the tour a few years ago, and um, and his ranking went well through the roof, so to speak, and then he's had injury problems and form problems, but just of late he's come back and he's reached his highest ever ranking of 39, so he'll be the eighth seed. Um, and if John McEnroe says he's good, I'm inclined to believe him, so I'm looking forward to watching that kid. And also Ryan Harrison, who I've just given a, a wild card to, who is just outside the main draw, in fact. Um, and he's, uh, he's a very talented player, apparently, but quite a feisty player. So he's, they're going to add a bit of colour to it, I think, along with, obviously, Fernando Vadasco, who, who is another player I'm looking forward to seeing. And what's Vadasco been doing of late? He's kind of dropped off the radar. He, he had a very, very good year last year, and, and he got his ranking to the top ten. What happens is you're defending your points... It's a rolling system. You're defending the same points that you won 52 weeks earlier. He actually had a good year this year, but because he had an exceptional year the year before, he's dropped from, I think, 7 or 8 in the world down to 24. But 24 in the world is still fairly significant, and he's quite capable of going from 24 back up again. So maybe he'll kickstart that in Auckland. You um, mentioned Americans. Uh, there's been a very popular tall one here in recent years, and John Isno. What's the... Yeah, is there John, any chance of getting him, or is he just... John, no, John won't be coming back. It was um, someone we we were looking to get back. The reality is I've only got so much um, in, in the player appearance budget, and so you can only target so many players. And um, because we're not the the richest sport in New Zealand, let's put it that way, where we have to be very sensible about how much we spend on uh, on player recruitment. So you can't go out and offer five or six players the sort of money they want, because if they all said yes, you'd be uh, <laughs> you'd be in trouble. So you have to pick them off one at a time, and sometimes as a result of picking them off one at a time, you, you lose somebody. And John, you could argue, was in that category this year, because I was working on something else. He had to make decisions. Um, so, no, John won't be coming back this year. But you've got a, a, a tall timber man. A very, there, very Anderson. tall man in, in, in Kevin Anderson, the South African. He's had a very good end to the year as well. And he's got a, a massive serve as well. So he's about six foot seven or six foot eight, I think. So he's been here, he was here, was here this year. He played, I think, out on court four. And uh, he's an interesting character to watch. And yeah, Spaniards for Africa again. Yeah, what's your Spanish like? <laughs> Not good. They love coming here. They tend to they tend to move in a group. They're obviously comfortable here, and, and we're very happy to have them because there's a lot of class amongst them, and any one of them is capable of turning around and winning the tournament. And what about the the wild card situation? Well, wild card one's gone to Ryan Harrison. There are two others. Uh, generally, keep one till very very late in the piece, uh, in case someone's playing in a, in a tournament in the first week and they lose early on and they want uh, more match practice. And we almost got Robin Sodling that way um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and the other one traditionally goes to a Kiwi, but again, um, in all probability, that's what will happen. But uh, again, if there are suddenly a couple of players of you know, high ranking and, and um, repute, if you like, suddenly said we want a wild card, you'd have to consider it. You know, the Kiwis, we want a Kiwi there, we want to encourage them, but the rankings at the moment, they haven't exactly uh, pressed on, which you hope they'll do, obviously. Who's and, the highest ranked Kiwi? Uh, Michael Venus. And, and what's his, uh, About 375, I think. Okay. Yeah, and you've got uh, Philip Kohlschreiber back too. Yeah, he's, he's, a back. Popular... he's been here a few times and won it, and 
he drifted away a little bit this year, but again, there's, there's, a, there's a, quite a few of those players have actually had a very good end to the year, and their rankings have come up quite considerably to, towards the end of the year. And good also to see um, Gonzalez there, a former winner and very talented top 10 player, who has had injury problems and he's using his special injury ranking to, to get into the draw. He's only got, I think, half a dozen of those to use, and he's using his first one here and hoping to kick the year off well. That's the Heineken Open Tournament Director Richard Palmer and this is Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The New Zealand Breakers host the Tigers on Friday night looking to reverse the result of their Australian National Basketball League match in Melbourne on October the 22nd. That narrow loss, their first of the season, followed criticism of the Breakers' new Australian guard from the Tigers' new coach. Trevor Gleeson claimed Darryl Corletto had been disloyal when he left the club. As Coletto had been dropped because the Tigers had signed the locked-out NBA player Patty Mills, who's since gone to China for a lot more money, there was a truer ring to the Australian's response that he'd been harshly treated, not the club. But Coletto's not dwelling on that and told me it's easy to keep a straight face when he says he's moved on and it's just another game. Last time there was a lot more emotion uh, in the lead-up to the game with the comments that their coach made. Um, but this time it's kind of, you know, it's uh, water under a bridge and I've moved on and, you know, they are just another team and I think last time the emotion affected not just myself but um, all my teammates. So, you know, they're just another team and we need to get that win on uh, Friday night. How hard is it for them with losing a guy like Mills who's off to China, an NBA star, but they've still got a pretty strong roster there and plenty of depth like you guys, don't they? Oh, yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of good players. You know, they were going to be a quality team without him. They've got three guys from Cairns last year that played in the grand final series against the Breakers, so... No, they've got a quality team and uh, you know, they've got other guys stepping up. I think you'll find guys like Daniel Dillon and Ron Dorsey will step up a bit more now. Cam Tregar's playing well. So they've still got a quality team. and you know, With Paddy going, it kind of loosens it up for the rest of the boys to, to play their natural game. Uh, Tregard, he had a big game against the, the Kings at 28-odd points. I think that's uh, getting up there in terms of, of scores. So how big a danger is he? And He's a big man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a big danger. He, um, you know, he just scores uh, in all different ways and just gets it done, but uh, you know I think we've got the big guys that can match him with uh, Pledger and, uh, and Gary and even throw Dylan or, uh, or Micker on him, I think we'll be okay. Now you had a uh, step up I guess in a big way on, on Thursday night, there was a couple of very important three-pointers and the sort of thing that we've become accustomed to over the years of seeing CJ do and I mean, do you see this as a kind of a long-term thing? How long can he last in terms of those knees, which are looking increasingly dodgy? Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, he can he can last a bit longer. Um, you know, I said to him after the game, I, you know, didn't come over here to play eight games with him. I've, I've loved, you know, playing against CJ and watching him play as a kid, and um, you know, I want him to play for the whole year. But if he has to take a couple of weeks off and get himself right by Christmas, so be it. And you know, if we can tread water until he's back, I think we'll be okay. But uh, yeah, he's a major piece of this team, and we definitely need him leading into uh, the second half of the year. So, what does he? I mean, and you're not a doctor, obviously, but you'd know from the experiences of your own body if, you, if your knees are playing up. What is it? Just a rest thing, or is, it, is this a more chronic condition? No, I think it's just a rest thing. CJ probably trained a couple of days when he didn't have to. Um, we had a couple of other guys out, so he tried to train and uh, fill up the numbers. Um, it's just a tendonitis thing, I think, in his knee. It just takes time to rest. Um, he's doing everything right. He's on the bike, he's swimming, he's icing. So just a matter of time until he, until he gets that OK. Yeah, he did say, apparently, that when he came here that you didn't do ice baths. And the fact that he is suggests that he's 
he knows he's got to do something drastic. Yeah, he does. And I mean, he's doing it every day. He's, um, he's at the Millennium Gym, you know, twice a day, riding the bike and stretching and getting a massage and, and doing everything he can. He's a professional and he knows how bad we need him out here to win ball games. Looking at the rest of the squad, Thomas also had a, had a big game on Thursday night after everyone had that, that slow start. But what have you made of the, the other guys in the squad? Oh, they're great. Um, I always said over the past few years, coming to New Zealand was the toughest uh, road trip we had, New Zealand and Perth probably. So they just play hard. Um, everyone on this team plays hard and they play for each other. No one cares who scores or, or gets the uh, you know the hype written up about them. It's just all about one team and, uh, and that's their motto. You know, it's all about being one. That's Daryl Corletto from the Breakers and that's the show for this week. Feedback's welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz and you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. While we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Murray Williams for Radio New Zealand Sport. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.